0: grace and peace. You're listening to United We Pray, taking racial struggles to the throne of grace. United We Pray is a ministry devoted to prayer about racial strife, especially between Christians. We want to help Christians think better about race in a way that is biblical and helpful, clear and hopeful. You can learn more about our work at uwepray.com. That's U-W-E-P-R-A-Y.com where you can find articles, old episodes, and more. I'm Austin Suter, one of the co-hosts. Welcome to Season 8 of the United We Pray podcast, season eight. I am joined Woo. by the familiar voice of Isaac Adams. How you doing, Isaac?
1: Hey, man. I'm doing well. Uh, I'm reflecting on the law of the Lord's goodness uh, that I'll announce soon. But it's good to be back on the mic with you, man.
0: Good to be back with you as well. So, yeah what what's new with you?
1: Yeah, man. I think. I mean, I think we both have. We both have news. You uh, introduced me as a pastor and I can introduce you as one man. You became a pastor, uh, your local congregation there in North Carolina. So I'm proud of you, man. And that's just really exciting. I think uh, I'm thankful for that the the saints saw the Lord's work in your life. And uh, yeah, man, I'm just excited. Like two pastors chopping, man. So I want to congratulate you publicly and just commend your ministry in your life, brother. I love you. I'm happy for you.
0: Well, love you too. Thank Thank you for that. So, Isaac, you have just been called. People will have seen this on social media or otherwise by the time this episode comes out. You've just been called as the lead pastor at Iron City Church in Birmingham, Alabama.
1: That's right, man. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, It's been a crazy summer, Uh, crazy last few months, but thankful for the Lord's grace. So, uh, yeah, the Adams are headed south, man, trying to go in your direction.
0: That's very exciting. I'm just thrilled. I think they have a great new lead pastor on their hands. You are going to be a blessing to that church. Oh, Thank you, bro. Thank you, bro.
1: And hey, I know you typically ask the questions, but do I have to call you uh, Reverend Tudor now on the show?
0: Uh, Bishop. If you don't mind, that would... All right. That would
1: uh, all right, fair enough, fair enough. Well, hey man, I don't know if you have more, but if you don't, I know we typically begin with the scripture and because we're both in so many ways, just knowing the Lord's grace, uh, particularly in our uh, our ministries, I thought I would just begin with Psalm 66, if that's okay. Please. Uh, just one verse. Yeah, this is Psalm 66. I'm reading out of the CSB, everybody. So Austin is actually pleased uh, with the Bible when it comes out of the CSB. And uh, verse says, come and listen, all who fear verse 16 says, come and listen, all who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for me. Uh, So, you know, beginning this, bro, you obviously know this, but we're not. We're not bragging about our ministries as if we deserve them because it's, it's so evidently not that way. <laughs> we so evidently don't deserve them. Uh, but it's right to give praise and thanks to God. Uh, we want to, you know, one of our aims is being hopeful. And we want to talk about these issues as if the, resor- as if the tomb is really empty. Uh, and that means we want to talk about God's grace. And we know that grace. So I think it's just appropriate to begin on just a celebratory note uh, for the different ways uh, God has seen fit to uh, allow you and I to progress in ministry and Lord willing, keep progressing in this ministry. So I just wanted to begin uh, by telling uh, our listeners uh, what the Lord has done for us, man. So I'm happy to open us in prayer and then we can hop into it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have done so much for me and for Austin. As the hymn goes, you've done so much for me, we cannot tell it all. And we tell a fraction of it, Lord, just to give you praise and thanks. We pray that you would give Austin grace as he elders, as he shepherds, as he gives oversight, as he teaches. Father, we pray that you give the same grace to me. We bless you, Lord, and we love you. And we thank you for your grace to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray that you would help us to start our ministries well and finish them well by your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Well, Isaac, thank you for that. It's just these days, especially, I think we need to work harder to be joyful and grateful. So thank you for pointing us back to that in the word. Yes. Well, to start us off here on season eight, we wanted to do something a little bit different. And so we sent out on social media and to our email list, a uh, survey or questionnaire of just an opportunity for you, our listeners, to ask us questions are things you wanted to hear us yeah. talk about. Not as if we have all the answers, but with many counselors, there is wisdom. So we wanted to Amen. open the floor. And I want to start with a really important one here, Isaac. Uh, this is from a, a reader. No. Alex Caruso, no,
1: no. yay or nay? <laughs> oh, I love our readers. Uh, yay. I love Alex Caruso. I don't know how they know that, but... Um, you know, he got traded to the Bulls, but he's just this like white chocolate dude on the Lakers just dunking on everybody. I mean, go watch his highlights. He's like a really impressive player. Uh, and I yeah, I just I just like the kind of under the radar cats who just like yeah he just catches one off the baseline and he do can hop out of the gym so yeah happy for him happy he's a champion i'm sure he'll do good things in chicago i always appreciate players who are sort of
0: paradigm busting and if you saw alex caruso yeah. on the street you would think he was an accountant you know with, with
1: yeah that's right like
0: and dude is ahead, just crazy ahead. athletic
1: yeah like he was he was i think espn did some little thing on him where like he walked into a restaurant and like no one turned around like they just oh there's that you know tall skinny white guy but um yeah man he's like balding and all this but he's 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 a beast so he really is yay alex caruso
0: i'll I'll second that okay moving on readers want to know what or when was our moment to recognize race and racism
1: oh that's a good question you want to take that one first man
0: I wrote about this and we can link to it in the show notes. I don't in so far as I have one moment, I was a missionary kid. And so I was, Mm. I grew up around people of all kinds of different ethnicities, you know, from an early age and never Mm. thought much of it until I, we were back in the States and I was in elementary school in the South and folks in my class were really excited about the Confederacy and I wasn't, Mm. and I got picked on for that and that was sort of the moment i realized it was still an issue.
1: Yeah man, i mean i um and for our listeners this comes from we have this series called When I Recognize Race which just kind of talks about the tipping point when people realize these issues and how they matter and how they affect life race and racism. Uh it's just a i mean Austin how many do we have in this series like 15 like yeah, it's a bunch. it's a really fruitful series. Uh a bunch of folks from different ethnicities. I mean i think for me i In so many ways, I think, I'm sure I recognized it early on in childhood, but when I really felt it was, I remember going from like fourth to fifth grade and I went to a pretty diverse school and in fourth grade, everyone was good. And in fifth grade, it was like, we weren't. And there was an election that year. And I mean, it's amazing how elections kind of highlight these tensions. Right. Uh, and I remember, there was just dividing lines and they were they were clear between like the black kids hanging out with the black kids the white kids hanging out with the white kids and i remember feeling caught in the middle of that man um and so that that would be my answer
0: it's it's so interesting that we both pointed to being around the same age i think mine was third grade and yours was fourth and fifth like, yeah this stuff hits people early
1: yeah and interactions at school i mean yeah. it's just it's interesting
0: so the next question is in what areas related to race, racism, and racial struggles have you become more encouraged or optimistic in the last year? Conversely, what has made us more discouraged or pessimistic? That's a good question.
1: Um, for me, in terms of being encouraged, I mean, I really do believe, Austin, that more people than ever, more Christians, more evangelicals than ever, want to get these issues right.
0: I think that's true
1: that's room for encouragement. A second thing I'm encouraged about is I think, so let me just say my discouraged one uh, is I think some of the, fo- some kind of more strident or louder voices have only gotten more strident and more loud. Uh, and that's been discouraging. In other words, I just think the polarization has increased. So it's weird. I I, I think the, the fringes and the edges have pushed further out, Uh, But I still think that's a bell curve in the middle with most people wanting to hear, wanting to dialogue, wanting to talk. So that's room for discouragement. I just feel like, uh, you know, I told someone the other day, I was giving this lecture, I I said, you know, I think basic gospel appeals to unity are going to start to sound more radical in our polarized day and age. Like just basic stuff that we've always said, it's just going to start to sound more radical, uh, given how given how divided and polarized people have become. Um, But what is also room for encouragement for me is I think some of the stridency is starting to lose. People are starting. It's not gaining a following, or at least it's not. It doesn't seem like people are as consumed with that. And what I mean is I just think, you know, gasoline burns quick, man. And I think people are starting to be like just tired of that. And so, you know, ministries like ours, we hope, we're just not throwing bombs. We're just not, we're not getting in fights publicly. We're privately, for that matter, with folks. We're just trying to say nuanced, charitable stuff uh, that sure doesn't retweet ton. Uh, I feel like people are. I feel like people are finding that to be refreshing, and that shows me that they've grown fatigued uh, with the kind of hyper retweeted, fiery stuff. Uh, that sells fast, but I don't think you, I I think you can, it's like fast food. You can eat it, but you're, you're going to be hungry soon. Does
0: that make sense? It does. I think I would have a similar answer um, in that I would say I am most encouraged by what I see happening, like at my local church. Um, As I see folks growing, as I see folks asking questions, wanting to learn, reading, uh, meeting to pray, I see good stuff happening in my church. And that makes me encouraged. And the further away I get from like, People I know following Jesus. And as I get online and as I allow sort of the social media algorithms to highlight the loudest, angriest, meanest voices, that's when I get discouraged. And yep. it's just a helpful yep. reminder that social media is not real life. Real life is what happens in yep. your church. And yep. these problems, you know, exist, but they are not bigger than God. They are not bigger than the Holy Spirit and his ability to work unity in his people, so you know if you if you live online, I'm quite sure you will be discouraged. Um, yeah, and I want to be careful right. that you know not that's everyone right. has an encouraging church experience and I hate that for folks um, yeah so it's that's not to say that if you if you talk about these things in church, you're gonna be encouraged. That's not everyone's experience and we've talked about that at length on other episodes but I think the the you're gonna get a clearer vision of reality by you know, paying attention to real people you know, as opposed to dealing with this all online. Do you think that's fair?
1: I think that's fair. And my hope, I think you're describing accurately, right, about the differences and experiences at local churches. My hope is generally people are having better experiences. Yes. Yes, I hope so too. So I hope we're less right on that with each passing. I
0: day. hope so. So here's another question. As we've grown in our understanding of biblical response to racism, how has that affected our perception and appre- appreciation for certain pieces of art and culture, whether that's TV, literature, uh, social commentary, and more. So are there things in which our interest and appreciation has grown? And conversely, are there areas that have waned?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting question. I'm trying to think about it? it.
0: I really liked this one.
1: Yeah. Uh, shout out to the, you know, folks who submitted that question. I mean, on one level, yes. I mean, I'm so, you know, just one example, I'm at Westchester University uh, up in Westchester, Pennsylvania, which I'm just kind of a, like, I, I don't know anything about Westchester. Maybe I'm just stereotyping in my mind thinking like, okay, maybe there's a wider area. Uh, Frederick Douglass gave his last public le- lecture there uh, February 1st, 1895. And I just thought that was so interesting. And I, I could understand it so much more and feel the gravitas of that so much more having read Narrative of the Life of Frederick Douglass. And if you haven't read that, you should read it. Uh, Listeners, I mean, it's just such a gripping uh, autobiography that rock the nation. Uh and then you know my the the brothers hosting me. Um shout out to Raymond Johnson. Uh he takes me in one of these buildings and he shows me this kind of cove section of this building that they're like really certain, pretty certain at least was a stop on the underground railroad. And I'm oh, like wow. I'm standing there with this white pastor who is, you know, this is my first time really hanging out with Raymond so we we were always brothers but we went from friend to now brothers and friends and like 100 years earlier we're not standing in that building together you know 60 years ago we're not standing in that building together maybe and you know it's just being in there's something about just standing in the same place that people who were on the run for their lives were standing so yes if that answers the question that those are the kind of appreciate things i've grown to appreciate more what about you man yeah
0: there are so many different ways to answer this question I mean, we could have spent the whole podcast talking about this
1: question yeah i mean uh, yeah
0: i think if i it, of all the things i want to talk about i'm going to narrow down to just one which is to say i would encourage majority culture and sisters white and sisters to read minority author and that's kind mm. of across the board you mentioned autobiographies yep. that's so helpful to understand experience Yep. But it's true of, of theology. It's true of history. There's just different perspective. And it's not to say that you know, truth is located in experience, but it is to say that different experiences will lead to asking different questions. And it will lead to yeah, that's exploring r- truth in, in different ways and figuring out different facets of the same truth in ways that enriches our understanding and experience.
1: Yeah, that's right. And man, we really could spend the rest of our time on this. Just two thoughts on that. One, doing that will also teach you, it will localize your experience. And as you've written about so helpfully, um, you know, it, when it comes to racism, some people relate to it as an experience and other people relate to it as an idea. And even that delineation is so useful uh, when it comes to having conversations and having better conversations is if racism is just an idea that you know, I interact with. It can be more abstract. I can talk about it in certain ways. But if it's an experience, well I'm gonna I'm going to feel it. I'm gonna talk about it in different ways. And so, you know, looking into those other experiences and just hearing them, it localize it teaches you to not just universalize your own perspective. Second thing is, you know, I kinda to my point earlier, I think a lot of majority culture brothers and sisters want more minority friends. And I praise God for that. But, you know, you can't just go Friendships, or you know, some people are in regions, homogenous kind of cities, or rural areas where they can't get that. But here's one way to at least hear the voices of minorities is to read them, you know. So, you know, we talk about building relationships, and I still want to endorse that, but you can at least start with reading those voices. And a piece of,
0: of work and literature that we've highlighted multiple times, both on this podcast and on our blog, I would just commend Shy uh, New Reformation. Yes. As just an excellent Amen. example of that, both in terms of learning from an African-American theologian, but also him as an ambassador for experience. I think it's just that yep. book is helpful in a hundred different
1: ways. So thank you, Shai. Amen. 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 Listeners, check out Austin's interview with Shai. Helpful. So our
0: next question is a listener who's very vulnerable here and saying, I'm struggling to love members of my church. answer calls for reckoning with racism with what about ism or statements like all lives matter how do i love members Mm. of the body who seem indifferent to the way our black and brown brothers and sisters are treated wow
1: Mm. great question
0: my consistent call to i'm i'm assuming here by the way the question is asked that the brother or sister asking this question is white and is frustrated Mm. with white brothers and sisters who seem indifferent to matters of race and racism. Mm -hmm. I have Mm -hmm. two encouragements. The first is, I think part of that frustration is a good and right impulse. And it's born out of sympathy and concern and love for brothers and sisters who are not like you and that instinct to be an advocate and to, to challenge people. I only want to commend that. Yeah. At the same time, I would encourage all of us just to be a little bit suspicious of ourselves because we can get yeah, we can good. we can let our conviction get ahead of us in that we can forget that we were at times ignorant or wrong about things and are presently ignorant or wrong about things mm-hmm. and we can get really judgmental by you know comparing ourselves to folks who we think are are backwards or wrong or behind on an issue. And so while I think the, instinct to push and challenge is a good one just be careful that it doesn't you know lead to a hardness of your own heart or a lack of of love and sympathy for brothers and sisters who are just behind on an
1: issue that's right that's right uh, you know the Holy Spirit sanctifies at different rates uh, brother that's just that's just a good answer pastor suitor uh, the only thing I would add is um, one I think the Bible would tell you Matthew 18 confront them lovingly, uh, do it alone and in private. So you don't have to blast them on social media or talk about them to 15 other people. I want to ask this person, you know, have you confronted that person? So let's assume they have, um, you know, we have the question of whether or not it's actual sin. Are we just talking about, uh, a sin that needs to be checked or just a posture and that person's you know they're making a judgment like hey i think you're ignorant and that person's like i don't think i'm ignorant i just think this and it's a different thought than you have um but i think to this point austin i would i would encourage a person to remember that it's not their job to save that other person or to change them holy spirit the holy spirit changes people so you want to speak the truth you want to be gracious you want to be loving you want to watch god work and pray a ton so pray for that person a ton pray just pray like you know you've tried to talk to them now you can talk about them to god and just pray your face off for that person um and yeah like you said be really careful about becoming the very thing you hate it's like a lot of us start with righteous indignation and end up quickly with self-righteous indignation that's
0: such an easy turn and I've noticed this. we've both cited a whole bunch of pieces uh, <laughs> and articles so far already, I think having been yeah. off for a season, we just want to keep, you know, going back and commending the work. But there is a piece by Alicia Aikens on our site and we can link to it in the show notes in which she has the line. I need to remember that on the last day, I'm not accountable for their hearts. I'm accountable for mine.
1: Mm. 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 Alicia constantly blessing us. Amen. Yeah. Nothing to add. Yeah.
0: All right. Next question: How do you push for biblical solution to racial injustice in our country without the conversation turning political? That's the dreaded word, right? Political. We don't want to be political, or so the accusation goes.
1: Right. I wanna a couple thoughts here. Number one, uh, Jesus Christ is Lord of everything, including my politics. Now that doesn't mean Jesus Christ speaks to every political policy or anything. But what I want to be careful of is not that we're not just Ciphering off uh, or siphoning off politics as, well, we just can't go there. Um, the Bible is inter- it at least gives me principles of being just, merciful. Uh, so I think, you know, killing babies is bad politics, period, or it's bad law, whatever. Lynching was bad law. Jim Crow segregation, bad law. And I'm sure the writer of this question would only agree. Uh, so I think what they actually mean, or what maybe they mean, is how do you. How do you talk about this without being partisan, unnecessarily partisan uh, in that sense? Because, you know, polit- like we're all making kind of political decisions and we're citizens, you know, of heaven, yes, but we are on earth temporarily. And this is one uh, method, at least in our country, Austin, that the Lord has given us to carry out justice and mercy and love. So, one way to push for it is to. Um, stay speak where the Bible speaks and leave it at that. So, for instance, I preached for on Genesis 9 recently. Austin, I didn't tell you this, you know, this section might be interesting for you to go listen to, but uh, uh, you know, listeners can just listen in on us talking, but yeah, I, I tried to be as clear as clear could be about the curse of Ham because people had abused that historically. Uh, when I so I'm preaching Genesis 9 and so. I yeah, I think I threw a hammer down on it because I want our people to know the history. I want them to not repeat the mistakes. Uh and I want them To see, to to kind of own that fact and see what we as Christians do with that. So uh, that's an instance where it was just clear in the text and I went right up to what I thought needed to be said. And I think people really appreciated it. So in terms of pushing for biblical solutions uh, without turning political, we just have to realize that there's not a straight line from the Bible to this policy that Congress is considering all the time. Uh, so we have to remember that there are straight lines and that there are jagged lines and we want to elite, we want to, and it depends, you know, as pastors, Austin, we especially are trying to be guarded in that and not prescribing. You must vote for candidate. Why, if you're to be a Christian, because we're binding co- people's consciences where scripture does not bind them. So scripture binds them that they must be just and merciful, but we might disagree on how to apply that justice and mercy. And this gets to kind of what I was opening up with, um, I find that a lot of the fire throwing on Twitter or whatever social media uh, is people trying to bind people's consciences unnecessarily, and that's really tiring to live under. Yeah, it's it why legalism is so dreadful. It's just exhausting. It's like who who saith my pastor or the Lord? And pastors want to just be saying what the Lord saith. Uh, so those are some kind of guardrails. Like, am I binding where Scripture doesn't bind? And I got to be so careful to not do that.
0: There's a, a dynamic here that I want to explore. It's kind of one layer back from your answer and I agree with everything you just sure. said, which is to say that I think churches are more political than we realize because we mm-hmm. are used to only dealing with our own tribe. Mm-hmm. So if you walked into a, you know, representative white evangelical church, it would not be surprising yep. to hear a stirring sanctity of life Sunday sermon about abortion and for that to be a fairly political sermon in its nature. And that doesn't necessarily strike those congregants as political because they're used to that political issue being sort of subsumed under just their broader discipleship, right? They understand rightly that that issue, while it is a political issue, is also an issue that Christians need to care about. Yep. So they don't think that that doesn't raise the you're being political alarm. Whereas if you walked into an historic black church, you might hear a sermon on voting rights. That might be something that the pastors are talking about. And to the extent that they are, they're talking about a biblical issue of justice and the law being applied equally to all members of the congregation. If that same church were to be held in the white church, it would come across differently and vice versa. And so what you have is that when a church increases in its diversity, It also increases in terms of how the members will butt up against each other's political preferences. And Mm -hmm. that is not necessarily a bad thing unless they're binding each other's consciences. It's also an opportunity to learn, an opportunity to realize, oh, hey, maybe I'm overreaching here in terms of applying my politics as being normal for all Christians. And maybe it's an opportunity to, to back off of that a little bit.
1: Yeah. 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 I think, I think that's helpful, brother. Um, one additional thing I throw in on this is, I mean, man, some of these, I feel like we could just take and have whole episodes. Um, you have to, you have to clarify what solutions are, right? So I was talking, you know, someone asked me, you know, what's the solution? I'm like, man, the solution is people loving one another. And I know that sounds vague and I know people want more than that, you know, whether it be reparations or whatever it might be. And I'm not you know, people can have that conversation. That's a good conversation to have. Um, but you know, a marriage for instance, uh, you know, when people are like, what's the goal of this marriage and I'm like, well, love each other, like (laughs) love the Lord, love each other. Uh, and so, uh, we want to talk about different ways where we fail to love one another. Uh, and that's where we want to clarify what solutions we're actually talking about.
0: Do you think it's fair to say that we should hope for more agreement on assessing a problem versus agreeing on a solution?
1: I mean, we certainly want to, but I, I, I appreciate the weight that's behind this question of we don't just want to die. Like, it's great to go to the doctor and he tells you you're sick. We we do want to talk about how it can get better. But here's where, you know, one, again, one way, I think, you know, to this listener's question you know, if you understand there to be a biblical solution that you can help implement, whether it's like I'm going to go volunteer in the school or, you know, me and these 15 members are going to go get involved here. I'm like, go do that. You just don't need to bind the whole conscience of the church to say to be a faithful Christian, you must come with us and do X right. and Y. So I think there are there are solutions that relate to the church scattered, lots of them, because racism is a monster with many heads. So we want many. So what is faithful for the homemaker to do might be different from the lawyer, from the pastor to the teacher, right? All of them might have lots of different responses that are all faithful, but we want to be careful with talking about the church gathered uh, because it's more limited in what it can do in that sense, because uh, scripture might not prescribe what the church gathered must do. Sure. I think what I was getting at in framing the problems
0: versus solutions, uh, we can get to with this next question, which is, how do we push, uh, I'm sorry, how do we discern if we've been learning about race from the Bible versus learning from political agenda? And the reason yeah. I think that's important is because our current partisan climate requires taking the opposite approach from the other guy. If I'm a Republican and a Democrat says something, I, by nature of the debate, have to take the opposite approach and vice versa. Hmm. That's just so often the pattern. Mm -hmm. And that's where we as Christians need to be careful to say that like, just because something is unfamiliar to us, just because we haven't thought of it, just because it's coming from someone we don't know that well, or maybe have some distrust with like, we want to be able to agree on, yes, racism is wrong always. And we might have, you know, disagreement about how to address it, but we need to be able to agree on problems. And that's where I think we will do well to be discipled by our Bibles and our churches and our pastors more so than, you know, pundits.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's right, man. And I think in terms of just discerning this, there's a couple tests. Number because this is a good question, because a lot of us often think more with our political base than our Bibles. Someone, you know, said that once we think more with our base than our Bibles. Uh, And I think that's useful. Um, One is, you know, does it divide more than unite? And I want to be careful of that. Sometimes you have to make divisions for the sake of being like in the, and, you know, during Jim Crow's like, no, it's, I'm not just looking to be united i'm looking to stand for the truth right uh and if you think segregation is okay then we will have that division um but i think you want you do want to look at the fruit of your work i mean does it does it just leave people hating one another more and i think you want to also think about uh does it have more wrath than love you know that's another test he gives when it's just coming to our zeal like are you just more angry or are you actually producing faith, unity, love? Uh, and then he talks about healing. Like, again, what is the effect of your work? Uh, so I think those are some ways you can, uh, look at it. I don't think one, um, way in discerning is to your point. I think we have to use extra biblical language at times. Um, but I think, you know, we at least want to show how we're getting the principle of what we're saying from scripture. So, you know, we want book chapter and verse for that, but I'm not just turned off. If someone uses the word systemic or structural because I understand that. But I think what people are getting at there is, uh, making sure that it's biblical content that's filling that jar.
0: Yeah. To that point. Yeah. If you're, if you're, what's your intake, if you're consuming yeah, that's three right. times the hours worth of media whether that's social or cable news uh versus your bible reading yeah you're gonna be skewed um so just guarding your input is one really helpful way to deal with that yeah that's good we've got just a few left here i'm sorry that we can't get to all of these and keep these coming we can just keep keep a log of these and we can do this again in the future you all have really good questions and we really appreciated this we always appreciate hearing from you so isaac have you ever been accused of reverse racism and how do you respond to that
1: Mm, I don't know, but yeah, by reverse racism, people would simply say like, oh, now you're just being racist in the other direction, a minority being racist to uh, someone in the majority. To be clear, I do think racism can operate in any direction because it's sin. And I think anyone is capable of any sin. I think, you know, history is replete with, you know, Howard Thurman has a great section. I quoted it in my book about, um, you know, how he talks about it is he says something like it's customary to only apply hatred as the position of the strong toward the weak, and he says that is quite simply ridiculous. He talks about these two little black girls that saw these white girls, and they were like, wouldn't it be funny if they're, if they fell and their brains splattered all over the pavement right uh and so he laments that, and so I think you know, I don't think it's reverse racism, I think it's just plain old fashioned racism um so yeah, have I ever been accused of it? No, I do think there's, this is, this, man, we would have to dive into this one. I do think there's asymmetry historically. So I don't think, for instance, Black History Month is reverse racism. I think Black History Month uh, exists because uh, for so long history had been in, you know, whether school books or textbooks or whatever, it had excluded black people from the history. So this is a concerted effort to to kind of bring some level uh, of balance or um, at least focus uh, to these voices that have been marginalized.
0: I think what you're getting at there is the question of partiality. So I'm going to assume good motivations behind the question and that they are reading us from a a James two, you know, brothers show no partiality and that they read that to mean that we can't ever promote something for one race at the expense of another or that we're not doing for another. And I appreciate that sentiment. I think what you're getting at is sometimes corrective action is needed to right an injustice. Correct. Yes. And I think we have many examples of this biblically, um, and that is not the same thing as partiality. Correcting an error, repenting of a specific sin might require asymmetrical action, which is not the same thing as partiality. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So another question here, Isaac, I care about racial injustices in our country. What can I do when I feel like I'm moving from listening and learning towards wanting to do something about it?
1: That's, uh, yeah the, the reason I wanted to just hop on this is because I think so many people ask this question uh, and this is the question I set out originally to answer in my book uh, and if this sounds like a commercial it's because it is um, but I tried to address this at the end of my book and just answer this question what can I do because I think behind this and I think this is useful for pastors to understand is I think a lot of people appreciate what we were saying earlier like the reason you know members why this question is so hard to answer from your pastors is because we can't Bind you, your conscience, to do something that scripture is not clear about, whether it be marching in this protest or doing whatever. So, you know, that's cut some, your pastor some slack on that. He's trying to respect your conscience. Uh, Cause you don't want to, I mean, if you want to be in a church where the pastor is saying you must vote for X or Y candidate, by all means, but I'm telling you, that's going to be a hard church to be in. But on the flip side, pastors, I think people are, will appreciate us not binding their conscience, but they're still wondering, like, hey, I got that, you know, I don't have to, you know, I can still be a Christian and not... Do some of the things you're saying, but positively. Like, I just need some guidance. I think a lot of people are like, I would just like some guidance. Uh, and there's uh, there's so many things you can do. That's what makes it tricky to answer. But I'll just name a couple. Uh, number one is you can support good work, uh, and it doesn't have to be United We Pray. There's lots of ministries you can support. Kind of put your money where your mouth is. That's one thing you can do. Uh, a second thing you can do is I think often uh, times we're asking the question kind of individually, "What can I do?" When it's like Okay, what can we do? Is there a is there a local ministry or a local chapter, and um, that I can get behind and already support the work they're doing, right? Is there like so? I'm thinking, Austin, I'm in D.C. like a ministry like Little Lights in Anacostia. Uh, you know, I could go try to start this education program, or I could get behind and volunteer with, you know, so just volunteering locally, whether that be. Um, in the local school, in the local YMCA, you know, just giving your time. So, there I've mentioned two resources we all have in different capacities time and money, uh, and lending yourself to those things. Uh, third thing that will never denigrate and that will do soon, well, I'll come back to that in a second. But uh, another thing is you can just study what has been done. I think you will be more effective in doing stuff if you know what's been done. So, read about your area locally. You know, Westchester, I think. I mean, it's just appropriate, like, once you know, like, this was a stop for the Underground Railroad. Let's just talk about that. Let's think about that. So just studying your area specifically, you know, I think of uh, a friend of mine who fa- found minutes from his church from the 1970s. It was a deacon's meeting. Uh, and it said, uh, if, if we ever let an join this church, we'll burn this place down. Okay, well, that changes now how he's thinking about his church, Uh, and how he's thinking about what his church might do in light of that. Right. So study what's been done. And the last thing, I mean, there's lots more we could talk about is, I mean, is pray. I mean, we, people, it is so easy to think that that's not a step, a real step. It's like, I really want to do something. Well, that's kind of not the problem, but oh man, uh, you know, it's Austin. It's I'm convicted about this. I don't want to just be the guy talking about prayer. I want us to be prayerful people. And so it's really it's really hard to pray about something for a month or for a week or for a year. But man, I'm telling you, just getting on your face about it regularly is no small thing. So thank you for letting me take us into 40-minute land.
0: No, that's good. I have nothing to add to that. That's That was a good answer. And I just want to close with not answering a specific question, but just acknowledging we had questions asking us about specific resources and asking us to gauge, engage with authors they know we would disagree with. If you regularly read United We Pray, you'd know uh, where we stand on issues and you know that there are plenty of folks saying things that we disagree with. And just by way of explanation for what we do and how we do it as a ministry, uh, and it's not at all to rebuke the person asking the question, but it's just to say that there are a thousand places you can go where the answer to the question of what do we do about racism is, well, don't do it like that, um, or that's wrong, and just mm-hmm. being critical of how everyone else is doing it. And that's not what we want to be. We want to be discerning, but the way that comes out is we, we will be highlighting work we think is good more than we will be yeah. you know, critiquing work we think is bad. And yeah, just as, as an example of this, like work that engages arguments fairly that represents opponents in a way that they would understand to be true, that's the kind of thing, that's the kind of engagement we want to model and highlight and engage with ourselves, uh, even if we don't agree with it at every point. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff we could be talking about, a lot of work we could be talking about that we don't, but there's an explanation for why. Not that we think we have perfect balance or we're always going to get it right, but that's our hard.
1: Yeah, Austin, I think that's good. And I just to that point, I think it's so easy to make clear what you're not about or to constantly be responding to whoever. And if we did that, brother, we'd be here all day just as a response blog. It's like, we are trying to positively put something forward and go and say, we're gonna go in this direction uh, and positively try to answer questions and, and deal with things, yeah. Well, I have nothing else to add. We have gone longer than usual,
0: but it is good to be back, grateful for another season anything you want to add before we close in prayer
1: no man let's pray
0: all right i'll start father thank you so much for this ministry thank you for my brother thank you for an eighth season of this podcast um thank you for just all of the support we received that makes this possible lord we pray that this ministry would be helpful and lord we pray for each person who sent in a question for the many who will be listening Lord, help us all in our individual churches and our individual lives and ministries. Um, Lord, these problems are too big for any one of us, but we thank you so much that we come before a God who is bigger than all of our problems and who promises to make all things right on the last day. So Lord, help us to be um, forebears of that victory and of that truth. Um, Help us to be gracious. Help us to be when some help us to be biblical and Lord, in all of these things, help us to be prayerful, help us to be dependent on you um, as the one who changes hearts and changes lives. In Jesus name. Amen.
1: Amen. Father, when we come to the last day, we don't want to look back on standing in the face of racial injustice or racism. We don't want to look back at how we stood before these things and think, I wish we would have had more faith then. I wish we would have, I wish I would have believed God more, leaned on him more, trusted him more. So father, as we, as we begin a new season, help us to trust you. Oh, for grace to trust you more. We ask for that grace. We ask for racism to end. We ask for Jesus to come back We ask for racists to get saved. We ask for the effects of segregation and of lynchings and of whatever structural injustices there have been or still are that we can't see easily. Lord, we ask for that to come under the light of your word and the light of truth. And for justice to be done father we ask for ourselves to be merciful and just citizens of heaven temporary citizens of earth help us to love you and to love our neighbor we pray in jesus name
0: amen amen well brother thank you for the time it's great to be
1: back brother. Good to be with you. Friends, thank you so much for joining us. We mentioned a bunch of resources. We'll have those in the show notes, uh, but otherwise you can check out our our work at UWEPRAY.com. That's UWEPRAY.com. Grace and peace.